Thanks for listening to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. Today we're reviewing David Cronenberg's new body horror film, Crimes of the Future. Fuck yeah, more Cronenberg. This is Cronenberg's first body horror film since Existence in 1999. Actually, John, did you know that David Cronenberg did not coin the term body horror, nor has ever used it to describe his films? Um, it's one of those things I wasn't familiar with, but it... I'm not that surprised. I feel like it's one of those things when somebody has a term for their kind of stuff, they're usually never the first one to come up with it. Yeah, yeah. well, he said that the term doesn't make sense to him because body horror doesn't describe his work efficiently because the body is science and beautiful. It's not horror. But he does admit that the term sounds cool. I mean, the body can turn on you and do some pretty horrific things. I don't, I don't, I'm not fully sure I'm on board with him on that. Well, uh, some of you may know, uh, may not know this, but Cronenberg directed a short film with the same title in the 1970, in 1970. And, uh, it's completely unrelated to this new film starring Viggo Mortensen and Kristen Stewart that we're talking about today. It's a wild ride. So we're going to talk about that and more today on high on horror interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. All right, John, so uh, I got something I want to drop on you here, a little knowledge nugget that I think you'll be interested to hear. All right. But uh, first, it looks like you got some good shit going on over there. What you got for us? I got some of that mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese. That one has been my favorite, and I was happy because, like, you saw, like, This is all- a strain of, of uh, cannabis, by the way, and we're not just sitting here eating mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean, I would also <laughs> not be opposed to that. I mean, but- true. <laughs> anyway. Well, you know how, like... Those containers that were uh, mulled back to me. Yes, yes. They're all in individual eighths. Right, yeah. So yeah. the other day I was like, I need to mix these so that way I know like which ones I'm really running out of. Mm-hmm. And the mac and cheese one, like f- trying to put it in one container almost didn't fit. Oh, shit. And I was like, oh, I guess I really haven't tried this. And like, I put it in my bong. Holy shit, it was my favorite one. I was going to say, I don't think that we tried that. Uh, you know, I don't think you've, you've brought that one over and we've tried that oh, together. We'll probably yet. have it next week, too. So <laughs> Well, uh, all right, while you sparked that up, listen to this, man. Here's a knowledge nug for you and uh, all you listeners out there who are listening to this and happen to be Star Wars fans. Uh, so David Cronenberg was offered to direct Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I heard on- about that. Well, only it was actually called Revenge of the Jedi when he got the call. And he answered the call uh, from whoever it was at Lucasfilms, and they said they wanted him to do the film. And uh, he responded by saying that he's not fond of directing other people's scripts. And uh, he also asked why it was called Revenge of the Jedi because the title doesn't make sense because there's no Jedi getting revenge. Um, they hung up on I him. I mean, and, Luke. <laughs> well, they never hung up on him, and he never heard from him again. But they did change the name of the movie to Return of the Jedi, which is a better title, and it's kind of funny that they actually listened to him. Uh, it's funny. I mean, I'd also heard George Lucas. Cause I'd always heard it was originally Revenge of the Jedi, but I heard George Lucas's version. Uh, was him saying that they changed the title because revenge wouldn't be something a Jedi would do. So I wonder if it wonder if it had anything any Cronenberg influence on it. Maybe yeah, maybe he started the whole like maybe that title doesn't make sense. Our producer and- Josh is like loves everything Star Wars, so I'm sure he'll like correct us and tell us where we're wrong. But Yeah. Yeah, I thought that thought that was interesting. I'd heard him attach to that. There was so many different people that were attached to Star Wars. Um this has nothing to do with anybody we have today, but the one I thought was funniest, my favorite actor, Al Pacino, mm-hmm. he was originally considered for Han Solo. 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that. Would he? It would be like Joe Pesci. I'm not going to say alone. he couldn't like, do he's it. He's going to have to stop himself from cussing so much. <laughs> I was going to say that's a good point, but like I'm not going to say he can't do it because it's Al Pacino. But it's just weird. I just I, yeah, I can't imagine that. Um, but yeah, dude, imagine a Star Wars film directed by David Cronenberg. Now that would have been some crazy shit. Like I Luke Skywalker's got a belly pussy. <laughs> That's where he hides his lightsaber. <laughs> instead of instead of a belt, he just stashes it in his. And belly instead goes. of kissing Leia, they like fucking stitch themselves together or some shit. Anyway. Oh no, no, it's like the hologram. Oh man, we're just keep making video drum references. It's like the hologram, but it starts like pulsating like the TV. <laughs> right. Um, he all puts his mouth to it, try to kiss it like that. Um, anyway, nice. um, uh, so. Cronenberg uh, was asked, also was asked, he was also asked to direct Top Gun and Flashdance. Could you imagine if he'd done any of these or all of them? Okay. It's funny because you said Top Gun first. And the first, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. I just quickly want to say Flashdance. <laughs> Dude, yes. Who the fuck was like, you know what? We got this movie Flashdance about a small little, about a girl in a small little coal mine in town just going to dance. You know who we should get? David Cronenberg. Like, what the fuck? How the fuck was that an option? I'm not surprised he turned that down. Top Gun. I'm interested to see how Tom Cruise would have worked with David Cronenberg. I feel like it could be it could either be awesome or a total disaster. I wouldn't know why. Because Cronenberg's very much a control person. I mean, you you kind of brought it up with uh Jedi. He, want, he doesn't like directing other people's stuff. Right. But he's very much a control freak. And from stuff I've seen from the new Top Gun interviews with Tom Cruise, he was very much hands-on in the like development right. of the film. So I feel like either they could have butted heads a or lot. Or it would have been a great relationship. Or I think it could have been really a interesting collaboration. Yeah, I agree. You know, I just want to know, um, good for him for not being, you know, uh, typecast as a director you know because he had done so many crazy movies up to this point but i just want to know like based on his body of work what the fuck made anybody consider him for top gun or flash dance why who watched video drome and the brood or rabbit and they came from within and goes yeah let's get that dude to direct the movie about fucking navy pilots right you know <laughs> it's just i don't know um but anyway uh so cronenberg or as i like to call him the king of venereal horror <laughs> venereal horror i heard that when i couldn't believe that the king of venereal horror i think that's my new uh favorite term to call him anyway uh the king of venereal horror said that this movie was over 20 years in the making actually back in 1998 he wrote the script and it collected dust until producer robert lantis made cronenberg dig it up and realized that the script is more relevant today than it was 20 years ago Due to the evolution of the body in those 20 years, nobody was talking about eating plastic or microplastics, rather, when the script was written, and now 80% of human beings have plastic in their system. Has there been a Cronenberg film that hasn't been ahead of its time or that isn't more relevant today than back when it came out? I'm sure some people are going to go, they brought him up again. It's like (laughs) Carpenter, man. Like, Although I think Cronenberg got more critical appreciation than Carpenter did. But it's kind of the same thing. Like Carpenter just always got bad critic reviews, but everything like's always been ahead of its time. People come back and end up liking it. Like Cronenberg, yeah, man. Like, like, like we talked about on um, Video Drum. Like, 
it was made about TV cable consumption yep. that could very much apply to stuff like YouTube and internet like today. Yeah. And like I said before in a previous episode to you, I think uh, uh, I, I still consider now there have been movies before, like even Joe Bob Briggs has mentioned on the last drive in cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Frankenstein. They've had political undertones and social themes in them. Um, you know, uh, but I consider the true like elevated horror to start with Cronenberg. Those were the real like, holy shit, like telling a crazy, almost ambiguous story through like insane visuals and like the body mutating like that to me that to me was like you know people watch up and know uh, up really the disney movie I i'm mean, sorry i love up i do it's one of my favorite pixar movies <laughs> I, I meant to say us they watch us and get out and they think that jordan peele like oh my god he created this whole new subgenre where it's like edu- educated horror about you know political themes and what's going on in the world and it's like nah man cronenberg did it and his movies were telling you what was going to happen 20 years from now yeah, uh, Jordan Peele, I'm in no way trying to shit on him, but a lot of his fans come from comedy. Yeah, agreed. And they don't understand that Jordan Peele is, as much as we don't like Eli Roth, same thing. They're big, huge fans of the genre. Yeah. So, yep. like, Jordan's pulling inspirations from other people as well. As I mean, Executing this- it slightly better than Eli. Well, not slightly, a lot better than Eli did, though. <laughs> I don't want to get you started on on Eli Rob Zombie. But, uh, yeah, um, Cronenberg. Yeah, you were talking. I was going to say Carpenter, but I would, I would say that Carpenter didn't necessarily go for the visual work that Cronenberg yeah. did. It was more of a psychological one. But, yeah, yeah more of a story. A very visual. It, I realize how ridiculous it says t- talking about motion pictures, but he's a very visual person. Definitely, and you know, and uh, I agree with that. And, and the good news is, though, is that the king of venereal horror hasn't lost his knack. In fact, uh, you he got a venereal disease. <laughs> uh, that's for I guess you know that that comes from rabbit, and they came from within. They were all like contacted through sexual disease. So, <laughs> king of venereal horror, I'll take it. I mean, it's it's that's pretty hilarious. Not many people get called that, but um, yeah, Cronenberg actually said that he still feels like a kid when making movies, which was really good to hear because he still has a passion for it. And uh, he said that he still makes movies for audiences, and he thinks that to make a movie excluding the audience and only thinking about yourself is an automatic failure. And I can't disagree with that. You have to have the audience in mind. Uh, it was funny. I was um, we were talking about how he still feels like a kid being a movie. I just kind of realized I didn't wasn't wasn't speaking out my full thoughts of where I was going, but. Uh, you talk about him being an older direct. Well, you didn't say he was an older director, but he feels like a kid making movies still. Yeah, and I mean the guy's seventy eight, and that's good to hear. And it's almost funny because I saw the New Yorker in their review of this film talked about how Cronenberg's film feels like very much a late director's type of movie, as in the turn like, like how you see a lot of older directors start yeah. like worrying about death and their body. But I'm like, Cronenberg's totally. been doing this for like 40 years, so it's like the same pattern. It's, it's, movies, a, it's, yeah. a, it's another classic. Well, we'll see about classic, but it's another typical Cronenberg body horror. He can it's hate a classic the term. example of body horror. There yeah, you go. I wouldn't consider it a typical because they, they they considered it a typical late director movie. Like, like late, late, late life director movie. Yeah. And I, sure, I could see that for most people, but it's Cronenberg. Like, this is just par for the course. Agreed. It's just, it's just another movie in his filmography. I don't see anything. But, um, 
as much as I've men mentioned Carpenter, I'll do it again. At least Cronenberg's still making films. Well, yeah. kind of. To sorta. be fair, Carpenter is still involved in the filmmaking process, producing and doing scores. Yeah, he's, he's more of a music man now. Music but, um, man, but let's be honest, amazing at that as well. Oh yeah, I was listening to his music, The Lost Themes, yesterday at work. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, man, I'll tell you, it's crazy. You probably get the same thing where like. I'll just be driving to work and thinking of something on Spotify, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I'll put on John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It's actually <laughs> like I'll just I just drive to gets work. Brought up, yeah. Halloween now. If you catch me out driving, um, it's continuous loop in my car of the Halloween theme just playing. That's like, well, if I stray any, it's the rest of the soundtrack. <laughs> when I went to that wedding uh, last month or the month before, I can't even remember. Um, my wife's cousin Shane, he was the one that was getting married. And when I came out, because I was a, a, a groomsman, when I walked into the room, um, the Halloween theme kicked on. I was the only person there. Nice. I was the only person there that had their own personal theme when they walked out. He had that set up for me, so I thought oh, that, that was, was awesome. pretty cool. Did yeah, you keep the fuck out. No, I, I was. Uh, I was. I thought that was pretty cool. And he also got me a pair of Michael Myers socks, so it was pretty. Uh, pretty cool i mean definitely it's, it's when, awesome you, when you're rewarded you, you can with start getting the horror socks like, like, <laughs> like I got. yeah when you when you get gifted horror things i mean that's as good as money when you're a horror fan it's funny i was at you know i'm wearing <coughs> i'm wearing a halloween shirt now my job as you know like i don't have a dress code because nobody sees it's like i go to work yeah shorts every day i was outside on my uh, break and i was like the, I was like, I wonder what these people think of me. I've been here a month, and all they ever see me wearing are either wrestling, wrestling <laughs> or horror shirts. Rob Zombie Halloween and shirts. Just literally, the only socks I own are like these crew horror socks. Like today, I just got fucking Reagan on my socks. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome though. But I like the Halloween two shirt, the Rob Zombie one that you have the most. That's the best one. The, the you're artwork. Fun you're funny. Anyway, uh, anyway, back That's to the, the Deftones White Pony album. It's not Rob Zombie. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, back to the movie, uh, as Joe Bob Briggs would say. Cronenberg um, is used to the idea that uh, most of his audience comes from watching his movies on TV, especially like from back in the day when like Shivers and Rabid, they kind of were in and out of theaters rather quickly and were more put on TV, and that's where they call their audiences. So the fact that newer audiences will probably not catch crimes of the future on the big screen is okay with cronenberg you know uh we watched it on tv i guess so he's not wrong but uh he said he's fine with the idea of people watching it on their tablets or apple watches apple watches <laughs> it's a little small <laughs> i will say it's kind of funny like we, we 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 got it on early access and i thought like i wanted to see it on the big screen but, you know, watching it on, what's your TV, 55? This is a, a 69, I think it's a 69. Nice. Yeah, I think it's a 69. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, anyway, like, it was fine. It's, I don't want to, like, shit on Cronenberg's style, but it's not Christopher Dolan where when I see, uh, oh, shit, what the hell was that, the World War II movie? Baby? Oh, uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah. Dunkirk, I've never seen that out of theaters. I don't know if I want to ever see it out of theaters. The IMAX experience of that, Nolan, like he says, he makes movies for the cinema. For the, for the theater yep. experience. Yep. You don't need the theater experience with Cronenberg. Agreed. You're totally fine with There's a blunt. There's cool visuals. You're fine with a blunt or a glass of wine and just chilling at home watching it. Dude, I don't like. 
I've watched uh, fucking video drum on like phones, whatever. It's still still feels the same. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I want to go back to something that you said a minute ago because it makes total sense. You said that the that the film critic said that like they felt that it was like a director like at the end of his time like directing a movie i don't feel that it's cronenberg being afraid of death or being at the end of his movie i feel that this was more about him making a movie about like adapting to modern times for survival in a later age because he said recently a quote uh the body for me is the essence of human existence it is what we are everything comes from that including technology end quote cronenberg recently had cataract cataract surgery I'm and like, damn uh, a car wreck i'd miss that shit <laughs> he recently had cataract surgery and had gotten hearing aids so he considers himself to be bionically enhanced and he said that quote technology has always been ultra human and a complete extension of what we are um and look at cell phones and social media for an example of that you see the good the bad and the terrible in technology just like you do in humanity and all of that reflects in crimes of the future um I don't know if hearing aids is going to make you bionic, but... I guess if it's producing you to hear when you can't hear it, it it's like, I guess it's amplifying. Maybe it's not, I don't know. Maybe it's strong wording. I'm sure some people groan when I mention the name, but uh, (sighs) Elon Musk, um, when he was, I think it was on Rogan, he was basically, and I was like, he's got a good point. He's like, we're basically already cyborgs already. And Rogan was like, how? He's like, your cell phone. He's like, you can literally find any information you want in a matter of seconds as long as you have an internet connection. Like, that's the same thing of, like, when we watch movies in the 80s and you see, like, Short Circuit, Johnny Five, where he could just, like, zoom through the book real quick and have yeah. all the information. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's what our cell phones are now. That's very true. So I was true. like, I guess we are cyborgs, but I don't know about just hearing aids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, uh, well, the, the thing was that he pointed out how, uh, the film that he now sees through in his eyes isn't the film that his body produced. It's the film, a plastic that was put in him. So he's considered, I guess, just buying. I get what he's saying, yeah. but I also get what you're saying as well. But um, Crimes of the Future debuted. It ain't Darth Vader. He's still <laughs> way more man than machine. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, uh, Crimes of the Future debuted at Con uh, for a great reception, even though well, uh, people did walk out. Um, great reception, and apparently, viscerally, the other reaction i i guess maybe because we're horror fans i didn't mean to cut you off but you're good um i don't you didn't feel like you were too bothered by it right i I was i wouldn't have left the theater for it yeah it didn't bother me at all it sounds bad when we talk about what happened because it's in the first couple minutes so it's not really and the latter part, I think the autopsy part that we'll get yeah. to, I think that was also the part that, that got people. But again, I mean, you, we just did an episode where we talked about uh, cabin fever. I didn't see anything in Crimes of the Future that was more gross or grotesque or disturbing. Maybe more visually and artistic, for sure, but yeah, nothing that bothered me. But um, but yeah, uh, Khan's, uh, Khan Film Festival, that was the first time that Cronenberg had actually seen the movie himself on the big screen. And before we discuss the movie, I want to put it out there for all of the know-it-alls who like to swing their Cronenberg cocks of knowledge, <laughs> that there is no intentional homage to his other films in Crimes of the Future. Anything people pick out and say is a homage to his older films is false and pure coincidence. Uh, Cronenberg said that he thinks that paying homage to uh, older films that you create, that you've made uh, by cre- recreating a shot or other things, uh, that doesn't help you grow as an artist. So he never tries to repeat his work or go back and pay homage. Uh, we talked about this, and we'll get into it. There, yeah. I definitely see see 
bones and, and uh, the structure of a lot of other things of his, of his other movies and crimes of the future it's kind of hard to ignore or say that that's not intentional or but anyway we'll get into it i can get we'll talk about it but i just want to say i can get how he says it's not intentional but there's no way that when he like you've known you've done this in previous movies there's no way you can convince me that you don't or, or to say hey that looks like the, like the, the this did in existence or whatever the, yeah. how that did in, you have to know hey even you, you you might he might not watch his movies there's a couple things but that, like, he has to know what they he has to remember when he made them and what shit looked like and you have to be able to see the similarities in that yeah like i feel like there's stuff that maybe because i've noticed a lot of artists necessarily don't hang on to what they've done or remember mm-hmm. stuff like i saw a thing with jason alexander and he said people quote seinfeld lines to me all the time that i've said and i don't ever remember saying them. And, and john carpenter said that he doesn't watch his own movies because he cringes at how awful they are i'm like what i i get it i can get why he feels that way but like maybe there's stuff that like the hardcore fans like us would like pick up from like that carpenter's done that were like oh you remember that one scene from vampires like yeah it's like yeah so i could see maybe it's one of those things but there's like some of the stuff that there's no way you could have made your movie and not remember that you have done that previously yeah that's what i'm saying yeah that's like if i made a movie with like a specific like for example i'll just say something briefly there's there's a little tool that they use in the movie that looks exactly like the fucking surgical tools made up in dead ringers but they're just like white instead of silver and i'm like how did you not make this sur- how did you make a new surgical tool that looks exactly like a surgical tool from another <laughs> film about surgery but you didn't intentionally pay it's just it's too close to think that there wasn't some sort of bleeding from his other movies or ideas into this movie it's not a bad thing but it's like you can't just shut those other movies out exactly all right well you want to get into talking about the movie yeah let's go Crimes of the Future is a 2020 body horror film from, I mean, who else? David Cronenberg. Sometime in the future, pollution and climate change have spurred on advances in biotechnology. You have machines that can interface with humans and control their functions. That comes paired with man undergoing a lot of biological changes. People don't know what caused it, though. And uh, physical pain and infectious diseases are a thing of the past for the overwhelming majority. And so, like, you have surgery being performed while people are just awake. Like, it's nothing. Uh, But other humans have experienced more radical alterations to their physiology. Uh, One of them is an eight-year-old boy named Brecken, played by Sozos Sotiris? That's what what I'm going with. Sotiris? Sotiris? Yeah. Satirist? We're terrible with names. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that we are terrible with pronouncing names. That and spoilers, but we're going to try to fix it. (laughs) He displays the innate ability to communicate, or communicate, holy shit, consume and digest plastics as a food. Also, that house they live in, filthy as fuck. That toilet, dog. It was nasty. Just like puking shit all over the place. Think of like It Chapter 1 with the blood on the toilet, but instead of blood, it's shit. It's just brown. Yeah, just brown juices. <laughs> brown juices. <laughs> brown juices. Oh, jeez. Oh, also, uh, why after he done brushing his teeth, <laughs> he just like put that toothbrush back up. Didn't even wash it off. 
Did he even wash his mouth out? Then rinse his mouth. <laughs> just scrub the teeth, and that was like he was just done. You brought that up. I mean, I guess though, I guess somebody who uh, is uh, eats plastic isn't too worried about That's the leftover fair. taste of toothpaste in their mouth. Uh, convinced he's inhuman. Uh, this is where we assume <clears throat> most of the people left. Uh, Brecken's mom smug like she gets on top of him and smothers him with a pillow. And then she just leaves his corpse and calls her uh, ex-husband Lang, and yeah, like I said, the, well, she tells him come pick up, come come pick up your son's corpse. Yeah. But like, uh, I gotta imagine, I think this is probably where a lot of people did leave. Yeah, uh, and, and um, Lang, played by Scott Speedman, we'll talk about him later. But I was gonna say that the crazy thing is that um, the way that the the film starts off is you straight up see that. Um, like his mom, uh, Brecken's mom, she legit does not identify him as human. You said that earlier, yeah. but it's like, it's almost like the evolution of the human body is making it so like, you're not even recognized as human anymore. Almost as if you're evolving into something else. Yeah, I won't say it's a homage to video drum or the, the new flesh, but Long live the new flesh. I, won't, I won't say it's a homage or that Long it's related. The new intestines. But she just literally the new uh, organs. There she, you go. <laughs> Long live the new organs. But yeah, uh, the, the fact that she seems so cold and turned off and convinced almost as if he is like a robot or an android. Like that's not my son. Like like it's Damien from the Omen or something. You know, it's a very disturbing and uncomfortable scene. Uh, the it's a long drawn out death. It's not just like she puts the pillow on his face and then it cuts to her making the phone call to Lang. It's she lays on top of him like you said. And it is a you watch the kid suffocate. It's pretty rough. Yeah, and uh, moving on here, we get Saul Tenser, played by Vigo Mortensen, and uh, Caprice, played by Lee Sedu. Sedu? I I mean, your guess is as good as mine. She originally, uh, we'll get to it, she was originally supposed to play Kristen Stewart's character, and her role was supposed to have been played by Natalie Portman. Oh, no kidding. But there were scheduling conflicts, so then they moved moved, uh, Leah up, and then uh, hire hire Kristen Stewart. That's, so, she, so she was always attached, but I mean that's two big different role changes. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen how it would have gone the other way, but Leia definitely did. Leia Lee, however you say this, uh, she Leia did a good job. Yeah, how do you think Natalie Portman would have would would have done in that role? That's what I'm saying. I would have liked to have seen it switch because I actually like Natalie Portman. She's in a lot of good movies, even since she was a child doing uh, Leon the Professional. V for Vendetta, um, you know, like, I'm not going to count the Thor movies because, like, they're a little bit more, Thor. they're less ser- serious, but she's, I mean, she can the she's a pretty good actor. Movie now. She's a pretty good actress, though. Actor, I hate actress. She's a pretty good actor. Um, I, I'm not going to say that the movie would have been any better or good, but I'm saying I don't think she would have lessened the movie by being in it. Uh, Saul and Caprice, uh, they're both world-renowned performance artists. Uh, they perform surgeries as art. Like we said, nobody feels pain now, so, like, the new art is doing these, like, surgeries and people just show up and watch them and they're yeah. moved by them like if they went and saw a picasso painting because i mean picasso's even referenced yep uh, it's like art is in pain yeah. basically and they take advantage of uh tensor's accelerated evolution syndrome which is a disorder that forces his body to comp- constantly develop new vestigial organs and then he has them surgically removed by caprice um, they don't know what causes it, and he's always in constant pain, and, uh, he has special bed, like, table, chair to, like, he's, it's almost like a baby in a high chair. 
It's oh, are you talking about what he's eating? Mm-hmm. The thing, yeah, that's the thing that looks like it's right from Existence. But again, I won't say that there's any homages to his other films. But um, but it looks like he's it, almost having a seizure in the chair. But it, it's actually the chair knows his body and which way to move his body correct. to help him digest. Correct. Yeah, it's a very uh, very cool looking, very weird. I wouldn't want to sit in that thing. No, like I said, it looked like a giant adult hijack. <laughs> uh, they don't know why he keeps getting these organs. Uh, although some people think he's willing to organs. Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't think he's willing to No, I, I don't think that he was willing to organs either because uh, I think that was stated earlier in the film and later after that said, we realized that he's not, ha- he's, he doesn't like, the thing about Saul is that he's actually, you think that by doing the performance arts that he's like bragging, like, look at me, I can do this, this is my art. But he's like, he's he's showing everyone actually he wants to take that shit out because he's not for what his body's doing he's against it so i don't think he's willing them i think if his will had any effect he wouldn't be growing them yeah it gets it gets to a point later where a certain group thinks that maybe that's a good thing it's your body body's just taking the next <clears throat> the next step in human evolution oh where's that from video drew <laughs> anyway quiet job (laughs) anyway caprice performs the surgeries on him uh he also has that bed that like knows how to move him the orchid bed yeah from by made by uh life formware yeah that's the name of the company i couldn't remember the name of the company he he out here looking like the three-eyed raven in game of thrones just like stuck in a tree (laughs) Well, (laughs) well uh life formware is basically geek squad for like biotechnology it's just, uh, <clears throat> it seems like another evil company that we're used to. That always seems to pop up in sci-fi and horror. Uh, anyway, Tensor and Caprice meet with bureaucrats in charge of the National Organ Registry, a governmental agency, and uh, they're designed to uphold the state's restrictions on human evolution by cataloging and uh, storing newly evolved organs. One of the bureaucrats, uh, the nervy Timlin, played by K. Stoop, <laughs> Kristen Stewart, uh, becomes captivated by Tensor's art- artistic goals. As a su- after a successful show of Tensor's, you good. After a successful show of Tensor's, uh, she tells him that surgery is the new sex, uh, a sentiment that Tensor seems to embrace. I mean, if you looked at their faces before Kristen Stewart's character Timlin even said this, like, I was like, damn, this looks like this shit's sexual to them. The way uh, Viggo Mortensen, or I mean, Saul rather, uh, yeah, the way he was like, I saw, thought that too. He was like touching his titties or his, you know, his man titties and licking he's his about lips. About to flick his nips. He was licking, <laughs> he was licking his lips. Licking and his I nips. was like, yo, like he's enjoying this, you know, like it's definitely like a form of sex, but um. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was pretty obvious if uh, Timlin was picking it up. Yeah, and like you said, the uh, National Organ Registration, that's the thing where it's like the, they said that uh, organs whose <laughs> organs whose functions are unknown. They, it seems to be most of the organs he had. He just would grow random right, shit. They, just, they monitor them, I guess, to see what they're for, what they turn into. Whatever, that's what that registration is for. But again, not uncommon. I can definitely imagine, imagine the government having some sort of control over something like that and being a real thing. If oh, people started growing organs, for sure, there would be a registration of some sort. That's not uh, out of the question. And uh, there's a governmental uh, police unit led by uh, a skinny Francis Nagano. 
Uh, <laughs> they seek to use Tensor to infiltrate a group of radical evolutionists. Without Caprice's knowledge, Tensor meets with a series of contacts through other biological art performances that lead him to the evolutionists, including the fucking ear man. That shit was creepy as fuck. Drew yeah, was yeah. over here fucking chuckling at him. I, I just, I was laughing at the dance moves that he had, and you were yeah. over there, like, creeped out. You were like, you were creeped out. I mean, dude, it's like, you look at him, and it looks like he has tumors on him, but then you're like, it's all these fucking ears. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, uh... He, I mean, like, on his legs, he had, what, at least 10 years. Ten yeah, he was covered in them, definitely. And apparently they don't work, though. Yeah, it's all for show, apparently, his whole thing. The whole thing was, like, uh, he has his eyes and mouth sewn shut, so all he can do is hear, and then they just See? turn on some dubstep and watch him dance to yeah. dubstep with his, like, 40 years. Can you get this? Definitely, it's 2000 and fuck off. It's definitely a Cronenberg. Uh, it's a Cronenbergian scene, for sure. If you showed me that and go, just that scene, it was like, this is a short film made by somebody i'd be like uh either that is cronenberg or somebody directly ripped him off and did some shit like that i feel like i might also say quentin tarantino no nah, his would be feet it wouldn't be ears <laughs> damn you right you right we have feet going uh, out their fucking heads and shit yeah that shit like see like i couldn't have my eyes shut and my mouth shut because instinctively i would at some point try to open my eyes yeah. Cause I'd be too high, and then I'd be fucking screaming like that dude in Saw. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, I'd try to belch or something, end up ripping the fucking, you blow the stitches you right out. You fucking cheats would be puffed out from <laughs> in the fucking burp. Like Chucky at the end of Child's Play 2, when they put the hose in his mouth. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, where the fuck was I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, you know, I think this might be a good time to drop off with the story. I mean, if you haven't watched it, go check it out now. Um, it's on Voodoo to rent for 20 bucks, but you could buy it for 25 and I figure, why not fucking buy it for 25 even if you don't like it, you spent five extra bucks, and if you did like it, then you're gonna have to pay money again. Exactly, it's worth the, it's, it's, it's worth the risk, and it's Cronenberg, and we're, it's, even with movies of his that I don't necessarily like, I still find myself revisiting, so I feel that it was worth it, because, you know, you might, even if we didn't like this movie, which maybe we did, maybe we didn't, keep listening to find out, um, I mean, we'll, I feel we'll like you would. I feel like you would revisit it. I feel like you know, rather you didn't. Even if you said right now you didn't like the movie, I still feel that with it in your catalog. A couple years from now, or even a couple months, you'll see an article about it or this. You go, nah, I'm gonna get baked. I'll give it another shot. So it's worth a watch because it's gonna come back up. And it's probably not something that's gonna be floating around Netflix. Uh, not for a while, at least. Like, I think HBO Max is gonna grab it. That that's probably a good bet. Uh, yeah, I'd say I say just. Well, we'll just wrap up what, what we have to say about the movie in general here, and then we can jump into spoilers. I mean, it's Cronenberg, so for sure, like I said, this was more body horror. Uh, there's a lot of commentary here, as usual, for one of his films. Yeah. Um, I also think the film, I feel like, leaves itself open to many <coughs> different interpretations that maybe Cronenberg didn't intend himself. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's vague enough that, like... You ever, you ever see those movies where it's like, it's almost kind of like uh, The Matrix. So many different groups claim that movie is like their movie. Like, yeah. I've seen people that are about like freedom and liberty claim it's about that. Oh, yeah. People say it's about the trans movement. You yeah, know, like, yeah. everybody has an opinion on it. They try but, to make it like a metaphor for what their agenda is. That's, yeah, that's not going to change. I know, I know one of the big ones, uh, was about consumption and how in the movie it says it's killing our kids from the inside. Yeah. Uh, 
One I think that isn't mentioned is I feel like society's needs to just change stuff they don't like about them and find the worst in themselves. Yeah. After, like, like if you watch, I mean, like, Vigo, Saul gets his organs taken out, but it's yeah. not, not good enough. He has to get the next one, the next yep, one. Yep. And it's I feel like it's, you know, somebody can go, like, change something with themselves through plastic surgery and how many of these people... Do you see that, like, they'll go get one surgery and they're like, well, I got my lips done, but, you know, I don't like, I don't like my cheekbones, so yeah. I'm going to get that done. Right. Well, now, you know what? I'm going to get my eyebrows, like, done. Yep. Like, I feel like it's that and... It's the addiction to it, yeah. And it's also the thing about, uh, like, with social media, especially how we're growing apart, we're growing more distant. Physical contact isn't as important. Even when there's a sex scene, they're just laying there getting cut. They're not actually having sex. It's like physical contact. We're so detached that physical contact doesn't get us off anymore. Yeah, and uh, I was just going to add with uh, what I was saying. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. I was just going to say the only other thing I really had to say about that was, I mean, like, and it's also showing us that, you know, it's, Kids are seeing it as well. You know, they can see, you know, people just finding the worst in themselves. And then it gets passed down, which is something we'll get into. You know, it gets passed down generation through generation. Yeah, I, I that, yeah, I mean, that it's, I, I can totally see that perspective. And, uh, you know, I guess my thoughts on the film are, uh, I, I liked it. I mean, are we going into like, our thoughts right now like what what's just uh just our general free spoiler general thoughts free. and then yeah um well, and then and then and then when you're good here I, th- I think i think we'll give our scores okay yeah well i mean uh i in general without spoilers i'd say that i definitely liked it um it's uh it's 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 almost like an amalgamation of a couple of cronenberg films that i like so it's hard to say that they're not that those films aren't referenced in this movie because they are still good movies. And I do think that this movie's good. I feel that, um, again, like, like the whole point of the you know movie being made, I feel that it is very relevant today. I thought that the acting was good. Um, uh, this is actually the fourth time that Viggo Mortensen has worked with Cronenberg, but, uh, this is his first body horror Cronenberg film. Nice. And his other films that he worked with Cronenberg on are A History of Violence, A Dangerous Method, and Eastern Promises. They're all good, but Eastern Promises being the best one. Vigo actually said that the physical stuff isn't always as hard as the dialogue scenes. For example, the fight scene in the bathhouse in Eastern Promises was much easier for him than some dialogue scenes. But uh, Vigo said that uh, he likes working with David because he is, quote, convincing and writes you into his world in an honest way, end quote. And that he has such a trust with David that he that regardless of what David asks him to do, he'll do it. Whereas he'd question other directors if they asked him to do weird shit like Cronenberg does. Um, <laughs> I mean, Cronenberg's got track results, right? But he has that that track. Yeah, you're right. Is he probably like the most like I guess outside of Hitchcock, maybe at least like top ten most like respected horror directors of like all yeah time. oh yeah and oh, has he's like the most mainstream except he's on the mount rushmore for sure is um but uh yeah but uh but vigo uh, actually said that he was fond of uh co-star leah sedu and uh she was in james bond and a uh, mission impossible film i think it was ghost protocol i don't know but I don't, but anyway he said that uh, she was generous and brave and that watching her encouraged him to go for it and uh Leah, in return, said uh, in regards to working with Vigo that cinema is about intimacy. It's something created together. So she gives him full props for his work as well. And um, 
Vigo actually wanted to play the Fed in the film, the Francis Naganu character. Um, he wasn't drawn right away to playing such a reactive character as Saul until David pushed him into that direction. Yeah, I want to say about the cop, I don't... It's weird, like... He doesn't fully feel out of place. Yeah. But he... There's just... I don't know. There's just... There's something missing with the character, but I don't know what it is, but it... It doesn't... It doesn't hurt the movie in any way I can really think of, but it... That's the only thing about the movie I would say that felt out of place. Some, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Something missing because I'm trying to put my finger on it as well. The guy but... doesn't do a bad job. No, it's just. I also yeah. think maybe I guess it's supposed to be the future, but he's like a cop. But like, like Vigo Mortensen's more dressed up than he is. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, also uh, I want to talk about Scott Speedman, who's in this movie. He uh, he uh, did, he played. Uh, Michael in the Underworld films, the vampire werewolf hybrid. He's a good actor, and he's another actor in this movie. He plays Lang, the the father of uh, of Brecken, the little uh, like weird dude the little dead boy. Yeah, very weird dude. Um, giving you know uh, paint uh, carvings and alleys. Like it's like you're not doing heroin anymore. You're just carving each other up to get fixes. <laughs> yeah, but, that um, was weird. Yeah, but uh, he said that he is a fan of Cronenberg's films and has watched several, but he didn't rewatch any of them going into this movie because he didn't want to bring anything outside into this movie. He just wanted to show up and bring the character of Lang to the film. So that's pretty cool, especially that you know he watches Cronenberg's films. But I'm kind of ranting. Uh, so, but anyway, oh yeah, uh, but he did say Scott said that his favorite scene in the film is his first scene that he had with Vigo when they're walking, and he kind of pitches him the idea of of an autopsy that we'll about to, that we'll get into but yeah. um but uh yeah so my my thoughts on the film was well acted the score by howard shore was good always howard shore um my com my complaint spoiler free it just didn't end with a big enough bang i feel that there it could have either been I, I felt that there should have been a bigger climax it ended on kind of a midsummer note where it just kind of left you hanging a little bit to kind of leaves you with oh, okay as opposed to like a damn and i wanted that dead ringers ending i wanted that punch you in the nuts ending um punch you in the didn't nuts. get that um got a lot of weird visuals um good acting uh so strange story but relevant story done in a cronenberg way it's a typical cronenberg film um yeah i liked it oh also how can we not mention uh the nudity there's there's not a lot of sex in this movie despite you know, because I guess sex is actually being done through surgery, but there is a lot of nudity. We do see a couple yeah. of pairs of breasts, and there's a couple of ham wallets. A couple of ham wallets. I did say that. <laughs> oh, there was six breastuses in the movie. <laughs> and also, lastly, before we rate this, this was spoiler. I might, now that I remember that, I might have to up my score for each nit <laughs> or each ham wallet. But um, yeah, so. Uh, lastly, the last thing I'll say about the movie, before spoiler the phrase, is that this to me was like if Cronenberg remade Hellraiser on Earth. <laughs> and it took place on Earth and not in Hell. Like, I mean, well, Hellraiser takes place on Earth, but you know what I mean? Like, if Both the Cenobites in them, if the Cenobites in them, like, ruled Earth, that's kind of how oh, it would shit. be. You made it bring up Cenobites. Remember? I forgot all about this. The woman, well, I guess it's more in spoilers, but there's a woman at a party. They like cut herself up to be like a Cenobite. Yeah, it looks straight like a Cenobite, right out of something. So she got them like they like claw marks. <laughs> All yeah. right, uh, score wise, um, I'll give it a seven point six. It's not the best Cronenberg effort. Um, I bought it. 
and I feel like it'll be it'll be it won't be the Cronenberg movie I watch the most obviously Videodrome and um but it won't be one of those movies that I just play every once in a while. I mean, I kind of already want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I would put this right up there with the movie that I think it's very much alike, which is existence, which I've mentioned, which existence I'd give a seven. So I definitely would give this at least a 7.5. So I think 7.5 is going to be my rating for now. It's right up that visually weird alley where, like you said, it's not something that blew me away, but it's weird enough and right up my alley enough that I'm going to revisit it. It might not be a perfect movie. It might not be. Yeah. I, first of all, I didn't expect a perfect movie. I didn't expect them to crawl out of, God, I'm not going to say grave. That's a terrible term. But I didn't expect him to crawl. crawl out of I, I didn't expect him to crawl out of God. his. To crawl out of like. Well, uh, Davey made well, this movie. Time to die. He's been acting and all that stuff, so he hasn't really been like non-active. But I didn't expect him to necessarily pull a Ty West and come back with a bang. You know, it was kind of like a this is iffy because we've seen what happened with Carpenter. Carpenter didn't do it, so I didn't go into this with high expectations. And the, and the fact that he actually made a movie that is like up to par with like some of his other better movies 7.5 is in a bad rating you know like i i think that that's fair and it's definitely rewatchable like you said and first thing i'm going to do when it hits home video is watch the bonus features and listen to the commentaries if there is one and yeah it'll get rewatched like definitely hear the commentary on that one it'll get rewatched for sure um yeah so yeah 7.5 for me 7.6 for you and uh i think that's where we'll leave this part now uh I think it's time we, we we can move on to spoilers. If Josh should just go out and play like a wee woo wee woo noise <laughs> like four people. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah, I'll cover your ears if you uh, don't want to hear spoilers, or just switch to a prior episode of our show and listen to that. Yeah, listen to them all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Today. All right, I think that's enough time for y'all to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so. Jumping back in uh, here, uh, Tensor meets with Timlin, and who shares with him the agenda of the evolutionists. They've chosen to modify their digest- digestive digestive systems to make them be able to eat plastics and other synthetic chemical chemicals, which is uh, that's the one thing that they uh, talk to him about. Uh, Saul mm-hmm. is that uh, he keeps pulling these organs out, and they're saying, "What if you just let them keep growing?" Yeah, and that's that. That's their idea is that that that's the way the species is going to evolve. Your body's telling you what it needs to do. Yeah, it's evolution to and that. This evolution is pretty goddamn quick. Agreed. <laughs> uh, their principal food is a purple processed candy bar of toxic waste, fatally poisonous to others. And Lang is actually the leader of the cell. His son was Brecken, and he was the first born to be able to eat plastic. Proven the inaccuracy of what the government said on human evolution. Timlin tries to infiltrate, uh, or I'm sorry, infiltrate, initiate sex with uh, Saul, but he says he's, quote, not good at the old kind of sex. <laughs> well, actually, though, what I wanted to say about Brecken is Brecken also, first of all, was a little drooly motherfucker and oh, was drooling yeah. everywhere. And he had this thick white drool that not only was he born with the ability to eat plastic and digest it, but he drooled and it he was, was like, like an alien. I'll say he has like alien blood almost where he like drooled. And it was like acidic. It would burn. It burned his mother when he's his drool got on her, but it didn't burn him. Like, so he was definitely made of he something else. Through the pillow, though. He was, so to speak, the the uh, evolution i guess he was like the first like you said firstborn so he was the fr- he was the he was the first step in the new evolution uh, what, what they he was the first unnatural natural child yeah 
So he was the first. He, uh, he, he was the first mutant. Yeah, and the last because his mama suffocated him. Yes, again, like he could have just got some spit and just got through that pillow. <laughs> That's like, very true. Yeah, just, all, just regular, just, just barf. Started like wiping his mouth all over. <laughs> I would have tried shit. Yeah, fucking bitch, trying to choke you out. Why are you sleeping too? Snuck up on my man while he was sleeping. Yeah, step up when he awake, bitch. (laughs) 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 You get that. You get that acid spit. (laughs) Saul's approached by Lang, uh, played by Scott Speedman, and uh, he wants Saul and Caprice to reveal the cell's anti-government agenda through a public autopsy on Brecken that'll highlight the evolved digestive system. After some deliberation, really a lot of it, uh, <laughs> Saul agrees uh, with Tim Lang and others watching. Saul performs the autopsy, but what is revealed is that his natural organs are there. Lang flees the show in tears. Outside, he's approached by two agents who supposedly work for the corporation that manufactures Saul's biomedical machines. And uh, they'd actually caught up with a former uh, other doctor, uh, Nastier, and killed him. And they assassinate Lang by driving power tools through his head as well. Life formware. Like Life said, that, form. that evil, That evil corporation in every sci-fi movie. Uh, Saul's connections within the police unit admit that Timlin replaced Brecken's organs uh, with his original, with, uh, well, not his original <laughs> ones, but regular human ones. Uh to keep the deviation and human evolution secret from the public. Saddened by Brecken and Lang's death, Saul informs the police that he'll no longer serve them. Approvingly referencing the cell's belief on evolution, even gets questioned saying, it seems like you admire them. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Totally makes sense, though. And then uh, Saul's in his uh, high chair again. <laughs> and uh, he's struggling to eat. He asks Caprice to give him a bar of plastic. As Caprice records him, he eats it, and he looks into Caprice's camera and sheds a tear. Purple plastic bars so good they'll bring a tear to the eye. <laughs> and he found bliss and is no longer in pain, and can he realized, I guess, that he is also part of the next step of evolution, and that that is what he needs long to eat as well. Long live the new organs. But um, no, it's funny because long, that, no, new, long live the new digestive tract. It's not <laughs> as catchy though. No, it's not. But uh. But Scott Speedman actually, uh, yeah, he he eats these like you said these pl- these uh they look like purple chocolate bars. He's eating them throughout they look the whole like film. Purple Hershey bars that don't have the lines in them. Right, and uh, the whole they're kind of like a no frills like Hershey bar almost, but uh, they're purple. And the thing is, is that they're toxic. They're they're like they're it's they literally kills another man who eats it. He takes a bite of the chocolate and dro- literally drops dead. And the whole point of the chocolate is to signify like how different. Um, Lang's body is, and like these people that well, what are they called again? I'm brain farting. They're the uh, evolutionaries. Like they're 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 like the revolutionists. Yeah, basically. But uh, yeah, the, the the whole point is to say that that uh, Lang and and everyone that is like believes in what he believes in is is uh, you know they can eat this shit, and that's what they eat now. They process food they that's their Even food they process like, like how we said about how it references global warming that that's yeah. that's uh them being punished that, that that's now what they have to eat they're basically eating waste like- yeah and they, they could they could eat waste now and that's basically what the bar chocolate bar is is it's, it's plastic it's waste and it's uh you know we're eating our own waste and uh base it's, it's it's pretty crazy because uh you know 
that's why at the end of the movie when I'm, I'm kind of stumbling on my words here but that's why at the end of the movie when Saul eats the chocolate it's kind of important that you see his reaction because he avoided it it was almost as if like he's like when he first is offered the chocolate bar he turns it away and it's almost as if he's like almost like I don't want to know I don't want to be part of that but then at the end of the movie he literally decides okay it's time to fucking try this bar maybe this is what I need and he eats the chocolate and sure enough like eating the waste is what's going to sustain him he's no longer typical the typical human like we are he has evolved so to speak if that's what you want to call this is it devolving evolving I don't know but whatever it is he has now moved on from being a traditional human not that he wasn't already with growing all these extra organs and shit but he's officially moved into that next phase and has has to face accepting that and like John said it literally brings a tear of joy to his eye to find the bliss that he gets in accepting who he is so it's kind of deep yeah cause throughout the movie he struggles to eat that's why he has that chair but he, even with the chair he's still got that still got that weak gag reflex <laughs> yeah yeah he's no Sasha Gray <laughs> But, like, he can't even eat, like, mush because, like, he's choking so bad. Yeah. yeah. But he fucking gobbled down that purple bar. Yeah, the waste, the, the plastic will do it. Long live the new flesh. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to really end up eating plastics or not, if that'll be in our I generation. But, I mean, that shit better taste good. I mean, I already eat enough bad shit for me with those <laughs> plastic would add to it. That's true. If any, I mean, you eat, there's probably, probably, like, last in your system less than McDonald's does, that's for yeah, sure. maybe. Them fries will still be in there couple the years fries will still be there did you ever hear that story about somebody bought a caravan from a used car lot that was eight years uh and they they got the caravan and then the back seat was a happy meal and it was it was dated eight years prior and like the receipt was dated eight years prior and they opened it up and everything in the fucking happy meal was completely perfectly preserved like nothing rotted the burger the fries everything looked completely the same that's some urban legend bullshit <laughs> i don't know man i've I left don't know. a mcdonald's burger forgot about or, it for a couple or, days and that shit looked did not look is normal. mcdonald's the, or has mcdonald's been feeding us microplastics this whole time are we about to break into a joe rogan podcast episode right here in conspiracy theorize because no. Maybe McDonald's is feeding us. I'm has not been, buying that. McDonald's has been feeding us. Pl- well, in the in the Super Size Me documentary, though, he does the thing right there where you see the fries don't deteriorate. So I mean, I don't know if eight years they wouldn't deteriorate in eight years, but still, I think mm. that, you know with the with all the shit McDonald's is spraying, maybe we're getting a they little spraying. I mean, they're spraying. <laughs> what the, what the, what the fuck is McDonald's you know, the shit that they're putting all their foods, the pesticides and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like maybe you know they've been McDonald's is the, is evil and been feeding us plastics. I don't know. Probably not, but you never know. <laughs> Probably not, but you never know. <laughs> anyway, let me hit you with some knowledge dogs here. Um, the plate that lifts over Vigor Mortensen's chest, or his torso, is CG. And uh, the surgical arms, some of those are practical, but most of them are CG. That Those are actually good CG. The bad CG in the film is when you see the little scalps. One of them is like really kind of like, ugh, like I thought they could have done a better job on one of those scalps at one point. Um, and uh, also the surgery scene on Viggo Mortensen um, th- when he when he's getting uh, the autopsy done to himself, uh, they had a silicone body to do that with like the organs in it and shit. But they realized that like that the body didn't breathe, and that if they used Viggo's real body, that they could get him breathing. So that uh, so they used his real body so they could do the breathing, but made the surgery completely CG. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he was a real man, he would have just got himself cut open. Look, if he was Christian Bale, he'd have, he'd have, you know done Christian some real Bale method acting. Done it on himself. That's what I'm saying. He'd have samurai himself. <laughs> he'd have stuck a sword in and just twisted and shit. But no, he wouldn't have done all that. No, nah, he would have. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, 7.5 for me, 7.6 out of you. Where does this rank in Cronenberg's like films for you? Would you say like top films, one of his best, one of his uh, just a good Cronenberg film? That's what I'd say. It's a good Cronenberg yeah, film. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I wouldn't put it in the top two. No, it's not going to be like, oh no, it's not going to be one of those ones where when I'm having a Cronenberg type of mindset where I want to watch Cronenberg, I'm not going to run to my shelves and grab like two or three movies. It's not going to be in those two or three, you know what I mean? But I'd watch it before I'd watch it. would be in uh, the top five. Yeah, I, I would, okay, I would say I'd grab Videodrome, mm-hmm. The Brood, Dead Ringers. Oh shit, I forgot about The Brood. Yeah, um scanners okay it's not maybe five, it's, it might be five or six for me five the or six yeah. oh yeah it's not five it's not five um top ten that's good uh, top <laughs> how's top seven top seven it's in his top seven we'll put it in his top seven unless we think of more i forgot about i forgot about a couple of those yeah because i'm high as fuck definitely me too but uh yeah man i enjoyed watching the movie with you so uh next week uh what are we going to be bringing our uh, listeners that Ethan Hawke join. <laughs> uh, it's Friday night. Like we're 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 recording. It just came out. And the early reviews I've seen have all been yeah. really positive. So we're gonna go check it out. Black phone. We'll report back to you guys next week on what we think. Um, do your whole thing, man. That are about wrap her up. Social media. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to do your whole thing. Damn, you just rushing me. <laughs> I'm just fucking. You you acting like at four in the morning, dog. <laughs> Well, <laughs> almost four in the morning. <laughs>
Anyway, uh, social media. Follow us on it. Hi on Horror 420. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, our website, highonhorror.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Newsletter? Newsletter? Newsletter. Sign up for that newsletter. Fuck. Sign up for that newsletter at highonhorror.com. Get our latest guest announcements and episodes sent directly to your inbox. Uh, emails at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. Well, ants. Man, goddamn, I'm high as fuck. Get your words right, bro. Get your words right. Get your words up. Jesus Christ, what am I saying? You can ask. Yeah, you can ask us some questions on Puff Puff Ask. Goddamn. Yeah. So, and then next week, like we said, Black Phone, Ethan Hawke. This shit better be good. I've fucking been waiting for this movie to come out. It better not suck. Joe Hill, Ethan Hawke, and Scott Derrickson signed me the fuck up. We said that back when it came out. We were I looking know. forward to seeing it, and then the release date got pushed. Well. We're here, so let's see. We'll bring you a, you know, we'll see what we can do to make sure that we bring you something that you haven't heard from the movie or about the movie, knowledge-wise, during our review like we always do. We always try to fill you with some knowledge. Why is this wrap-up going so long? I don't know. And you know what else just occurred to me? What's that? We're at our one-year anniversary. We've been doing this shit for fucking one year already. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, you all can't we see this. We forgot all about but it. We're fist bumping. We reviewed a Cronenberg film for our one-year anniversary. Yeah. That works. I'm good with that. David Thank you all for listening. Should have been on here. <laughs> I mean, we should maybe if we pitched him the idea that hey man, yeah, it's he'd our, have been like oh the one year anniversary of High on Horror. Well, goddamn, I'm there. <laughs> well, I I didn't know my life was missing this. Anyway, I think that'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye everybody.